0: what is going on everybody you've got the cardboard coaches here we've got i'm the cartel and apparently the infamous coach co but we're going to get into that afterwards for now however some pretty cool stuff's been happening in the hobby psa was just acquired by an investment firm for 700 million dollars Now, Eitan, as someone who's been in the hobby for quite some time and obviously has a lot more PSA slabs and BGS slabs and just knowledge about the the market in general, do you want to talk a little bit about what this might mean and like just shoot, man?
1: Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, I don't want to disappoint anyone when I tell you that um, I may not have the most robust opinion or viewpoint on this. I just got done with the Filmington uh, podcast, uh, regarding this. He had a great conversation with Cardi C, I believe it is, uh, discussing the ins and outs Cardi C himself, I believe is a uh, corporate accountant. So he had a really interesting viewpoint on this and all the specifics, cool. but for the average collector, what this basically boils down to is a company that you do a lot of business with, uh, is being acquired uh, by a group of people that are obviously going to be looking to expand and improve upon the services that they're already offering. Um, that being said, you know, anytime there is an investing group making a purchase like this, they are in the, in the business for business to make money. So you know, I, we need to sweep aside any notions in our minds that these are you know guardian angels coming in to improve the situation, yeah. which it, it, it might, right? But that's not quite the way to think about it. Now, my understanding is Nat Turner, who is leading this charge uh, is a collector. Uh, like us and again at the end of the day we're also going to discuss that too in this podcast what is a collector what is an investor Uh, can you be multiples of both obviously you can nat turner to me seems like a dedicated uh, collector hobbyist maybe he's an investor as well Um, he's obviously an investor when it comes to uh, businesses and and um, and that sort of thing but the guy is someone who has enjoyed the hobby for quite some time. Apparently he has a magnificent collection. I've only just now started following him on Instagram. And it's kind of like this dream where, you know, you know, as a collector, forget submitting the PSA, you're buying PSA. Yeah. And now you have an opportunity here. Um, there's a lot of talk about automating the grading process and getting robots involved, to be honest. And it's a perfectly lay person's type of opinion. And you may have the same opinion, Brendan. I I find that I, I find that interesting, but I also find it to be concerning. Um, I kind of like the idea of you know well-read and professional human graders taking charge of my cards, but at a certain point—and this point came a long time ago—you can't simply you know, you can't keep running the business with a large group of those types of individuals because eventually you're going to run out of those individuals or you're going to get to a point where you can't handle the volume. Yeah. And that's that's where we're at. Yeah. Look, look at. Look at me and you. We are in a situation where we've had a submission that it's been sitting for almost two months, somewhere in a warehouse collecting dust and it has not even been sorted I through. I
0: mean, it's, it's been received.
1: So we're looking for some kind of improvement here and automation yeah. may be that improvement. But I don't think we're going to see anything. Obviously, this, this change is not going to take into effect until next year at some point.
0: Yeah, not I for a while, I don't think. Right. They
1: have to finish it and, and uh, kind of uh, uh, confirm it. But it does not mean we're going to see these massive changes right off the bat. No. Um, what I do think it means is, is that, you know, this is a reflection of the big money and big opportunity that's going on in the market. Uh, I myself am doing more reading and I'm more interested about what's going on uh, over at Certified Collectibles Group, which yeah, is. You've been talking
0: about them for a hot minute, man.
1: And you know why I talk about it so much is because I have experience with them in the realm of other collectibles. Yeah. Um, so, CGC, the, the comics creator, they are the PSA of the comic book world. And the comic book world got hot well before the sports card market, well before yeah. COVID.
0: Mostly Mar- Marvel, Marvel and the Disney acquisition and all that jazz, right? Absolutely, they yeah. they
1: were having their renaissance slash market burst well yeah. before the card market, and CGC has taken on contenders as well, like CBCS, which is also now affiliated with BGS. So all these players are kind of trying to get their fingers into all these different markets, um, and it makes sense. And I think I think it's a good thing. Uh, competition is a good thing. It's a good we're thing. Gonna, is you a know, good thing. World you don't want a monopoly, you know? Yeah. When world wrestling entertainment yeah. took over WCW and ECW and all these other companies did the, did the product improve? No, I'm here to tell you it didn't. No. Uh, that's just a bit of a professional wrestling analogy. Yeah. If anyone's into that, but competition's good. Options are good. I do not make fun of, or degrade people that want to use SGC or MNT. I'm all about self-responsibility. And we're going to touch on that again as well in this podcast. But the reality is options are good. And I think that this is going to be a very interesting option. Already, people are questioning some of the the names involved with the CCG uh, card division. You always see that. Um, I don't think anyone who's been in the industry, Joe Orlando, uh, any of those, you know, that guy that pops up on uh, Pawn Stars every once in a while. That was with BGS. If you're in the industry long enough, you are going to get some sort of negativity directed at you. You may be caught up in some scandals that you're indirectly or directly attached to, Uh, so I kind of take that with a grain of salt. Um, I got a question for you,
0: real quick. Absolutely. Starting to interrupt your train of thought. I'm I'm like, honestly, I I feel awful for it. No problem. As you're speaking, and this is actually a thought that's come in my head a few times, and I'm like, what happens? And I mean, obviously, this is a crazy scenario, but what happens? if they find something wrong with PSA in two or three or four or five or 10 years, and now all of a sudden those slabs are now, I mean, not worthless because we can talk about how, I mean, like how, when people look at something with a negative connotation, it essentially has basically lost all value in the market. But like, what if SG, what if I save some cards and, and I just start grading them with random companies, you know, like, is that, is that, is that foolish? Is that? I'm a little,
1: I'm a little confused by the second part of your question. Are you saying, are you diversifying specifically? That's, because a, that's you're
0: actually, you're, you know what? Thank you very much because you just helped right. put it all together. I'm like, what if I start diversifying in anticipation of some sort of collapse?
1: Okay. Well, it's your, the first part is you're essentially talking about like the apocalyptic scenario yeah, where they, they find out that there's some sort of, such a widespread fraudulent scandal that takes down the company or you know or there's some sort of sexual harassment that's going on or in the company
0: or what about if like if it's just too if a psa 10 or 9 or whatever is just too common you know what i mean like we're seeing people grading everyday cards like constantly well you're
1: laying down a lot of I, I know, I
0: know. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. You,
1: I just and, have a and, lot and of this, questions. And it is a reflection again of the fact that, you know, the dynamic that you and I have kind of yeah. pledged to create here is um, that you're new and passionate about what's going on, yeah. which is better than being new and just kind of stumbling around and not asking questions. Yeah. Um, so PSA has already weathered some apocalyptic storms. Okay. And you started like a lot of people that jumped into the hobby due to the lockdown. That is a very real thing. We saw a tidal wave of new uh, collectors, investors, flippers as a result. And you came in at a time that was just post a massive, massive uh, scandal involving trimmed cards, the, the sale of, of, of cards that had been altered. And I, I highly suggest that you Google that, Brendan, you go to uh, the blowout forums that you go to all the different forums that discussed what was going on. Sounds good. Um, and it affected all of us. It, it was some, some key cards, including the Connor McDavid SP authentic and the Connor McDavid young guns. So it was plenty relevant to hockey collectors and they seem to have weathered that storm. And I, I mean, I have strong opinions about that. It, it was kind of like they have, you know, the keys to the palace and they are there and there's not much you can do about it. Um, so I, I have trouble imagining a scenario that would be so apocalyptic that it would take down the company and thus affect the cards on the market. They, they have weathered that storm. Okay. Um, so probably not the best to spend too much time discussing what would happen in that case. Now, if you want to diversify in that case, you're doing the same thing that a lot of people do with prospecting, right? You may be sitting on your stack of Jason Dominguez yeah, and you might be like, man, what if this guy, you know, blows out an ACL? What if this guy, you know, Gets involved in a domestic. Um, that is the process of prospecting and building your collection and your investments and in your portfolio yeah. by diversifying and saying, okay, if something happens to Dominguez, I've also got money in, in Wander yeah. uh, and, and Juan Soto. So, um, yeah, that's my best advice. With that, is uh, it's a little bit different with the grading. I wouldn't want to diversify out to companies that it's already been established that they're not getting market respect.
0: But I'm saying, like, what's like your, your hunch on SGC? Do you know what I mean? My, my hunch
1: on SGC is they had an opportunity and the, and the ship has sailed.
0: Yeah. There are okay.
1: People, right. Because remember, they came in a, as a company that had a pedigree and a history. I, I was grading with SGC in the late nineties when they had the 100 point scale. We, we talked about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But,
1: you know, the main thing was they were promising, look, it's not just a cool holder that you're going to call a tuxedo. It's, it's better wait times. And, and they dropped the ball on it. And uh, ultimately the market dictates what's going on. If you have a card and you want to see what it's worth, it's only worth what you're going to get on eBay or or when you put it out there. And uh, there was not a great reaction. I know a lot of guys that are dedicated to uh, taking a look at SVC gold labels because they believe that there could be crossover potential or that it's good value. Listen again, self-responsibility, do your thing. I Look, I support flippers. I support investors. I support collectors. Do your thing. Yeah. Um, do it as ethically as you can. Just Don't honesty, do anyone man. Anyone else? I'm yeah. all about just honesty. Freedom of Straight up. Sure. I'm all about freedom of choice. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, PSA is what it is. It is the market leader. Lameem James, our, our, our good our good uh, pal on Instagram, yeah, who's, uh, just makes us laugh every day. Uh, put up a poll and his stories. A lot of people, by the way, Peter Pac-Man is a is a quote unquote quote, card rapper to many people, although he's many, he's much more than that. He's yeah, a yeah. human being with a job and yeah, yeah. but he's known as a card rapper. Lame James is known as a a memer. But uh check out their stories. Uh don't just flip through it when you're on your Instagram. Uh, Peter Pac-Man has a lot of great insights.
0: Unreal, I man. I actually told him the other day, I was like, dude, I love your shit, man. Like, like you he just got, you ask questions like the the questions, you know, like he's got real insight. Yeah. And by the way a lot
1: of these people I'm mentioning they're not afraid to come ask questions either if they if they are more familiar with the basketball market they want to learn about hockey they've, they've asked me some questions that's fantastic right that these are people that are open these are the people you want to listen to We need
0: conversations um, you know right
1: and um, you know uh, he put up a poll about would you take a PSA9 or a, a BGS 9.5 would you take an SGC 10 or and you should check out the results they're very interesting. I did the poll. I'll and so you it. got, you know, as soon as you press yes or no, you'd see the percentages and it was very surprising. You should check it out. But that was great because that's a sector of the market giving their opinion, pay attention to that. That's yeah. real. Yeah. Um, if you're, if you're sitting on a stack of cards, you're about to send out to SGC, pay attention to what, what was what expressed in that hole. <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't recommend diversifying, okay. di- diversifying through grading other oh. than what we've discussed in the past, which yeah, is yeah. you know, the hockey market really likes bgs i continue to i'm about to send out um uh a a 30 day to to beckett um i have strategies when it comes days. to what i sell to beckett i have strategies as to what i want guys don't forget beckett grades autographs psa does as well but they're not as well known for it yeah and I think it's more expensive
0: yeah but
1: like if you have a if i have a really ne- i'll give you a, a nerdy example the 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 0910 sp authentic john tavares which by the way, I recently acquired and it was trimmed. It was very obviously trimmed. Hey, listen, these are the bumps bumps along the way. But if you get one with a solid autograph, as everyone knows from that issue, um, he had major, major, major problems with either the Sharpie or his style, but all the autographs look terrible. If you have one that looks really nice, I want to send that to Beckett so that it gets a 10 auto. So that's just one example of why you might still want to use the very firmly second place company.
0: Yeah. Um
1: and uh and I like their it's a nice looking holder. They and are, like man. It. They
0: are. They are really nice. They're sleek.
1: Yeah. I actually yeah. just yeah. got
0: a I just got a messy uh PSA 9 uh 2014 soccer prism like a week and a half two weeks ago. I got an outrageously good deal on it considering what a PSA 9 or sorry, yeah, what a PSA 9 goes for and I mean theoretically like it's so a you market. Mean you got a BGS, now? Nine is what i meant. And yes. Instead of a PSA nine, i got and a BGS so a lot less and so much less higher quality. And i and i honestly think that like i was like this is a blatant disrespect that this card and this guy's card under these circumstances it's only one point under a 10 and like it's just it, it, i'm like H- how is it this cheap? Like it it's just disrespectful for me at least. I'm like this is crazy. Like if i had more money i'd buy all of them.
1: Like It's a convo that's been happening a lot in my inbox. The uh, concept that not only are PSA 9s starting to get a little bit more respect these days, but they will continue to because my suspicion is automated or not. And I'm just watching my own submissions. I'm watching other people's submissions. I I love to watch people blindly opening up their boxes. Um, I think that the grading is getting tougher. I think there was a period of time a few years back I think we all kind of know this. We just don't we just don't say it. But there yeah. was a period of time where I feel Beckett in particular and PSA were a little bit more giving because they wanted to get business up, which makes sense. It's a, it's a, a, and now that business is up, there's no there's no essential need for that and there are concerns about populations. There are big conversations 100% um, in the hockey world, we've already had this because You sit there and you're like, okay, Connor McDavid, he's great. We love him. It's an iconic card, but man, are there a lot of them. And PS there's still a ton more in boxes that have yet to been ripped, have yet to be ripped. So, and, and obviously in basketball, the conversation is about base. Uh, There's a lot of it out there. Um, So I, my prediction is it's going to be tougher and that's going to be something we'll see as a a bump in PSA nines. Now that said,
0: This actually transitions fairly well, let me tell you. It kind
1: of does. So we'll kind (laughs) of wrap up the fact that uh, I love the concept of the competition coming in. CCG is the home of NGC and CGC. They are the masters of coins and comics. How can you quickly dismiss a company like that with that kind of pedigree when they're entering the card market? looks like they're going to have subgrades like Beckett. It looks like it's going to be a decent looking holder. I'm not going to go running to them, but I'm going to keep an eye on that because that is an exciting entry into the market. And as far as Nat Turner and the acquisition of PSA, we're gonna see how it goes. I kind of am flatlined with my reaction to it. Some people got excited, some people got confused, some people got, uh, I'm just gonna sit and wait and see how that plays out. Uh, It's always interesting when a collector is involved in the movement. We're seeing a lot of guys that were young and buying cards at the local card store are now older, and looking to make some moves. What are their intentions? How are they going to make those moves? Let's, let's watch and and see how it plays out. I don't think it's going to affect too much in the way of how you and I are doing things, sending cards out. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out.
0: Um, so like you said, it's, this is a good way to transition. Oh, it's beautiful. So we right. were just and, talking uh, about how Certain cards that are less than tens basically lose, if not all value, like it, they lose respectable value. Okay, so I'm
1: gonna give you the forum now to yeah. not only talk a little bit about that, and again, I, and I'm not doing this to, to kind of be condescending or anything like that. Go Brent. for it, man. You are you are longtime sports fan, right? Longtime fitness nut, uh, health professional.
0: Just getting into are,
1: the hobby, but it, it was getting into the hobby. Much as a result of the fact that we're locked down and you wanted something to do, and this very much intersects with you know sports and enjoying sports. For and sure. from there, gambling, you'll let us know about, you know. Hey, listen, let's be real, let's be yeah. honest. There is yeah. a huge gambling component. Up. Uh, I also liken it to the stock market. I've been using that comparison for decades. Um, so from there, you'll let us know about an incident. Yeah, oh yeah on TikTok. The kids call it TikTok. I have no idea what's going on. Usually, if a kid is on TikTok, I have to kick them off my lawn, <laughs> or my balcony, as it may be. You let us know about that that controversial incident, and let's then we'll, do it.
0: We'll get into it. So, for those of you who don't follow me on TikTok, I am at Coach Co Collectibles. Now, on TikTok, I posted a video. I want to say four days ago. Now, so let's say Wednesday morning. And uh, so in this video, I basically, I I found a PSA 6 Phil Foden. And so let me just talk about who Phil Foden is because it's it's important to me because I I have a lot of his cards in general. This kid is 19 years old. He plays for the English national team. He plays on Manchester City. So for those of you guys who don't know, it's one of the most prolific teams in literally all of soccer. Um, They're always favored to either win the Champions League or win the English Premier League crown. He starts on that team at 19 years old. He's an English national who's already scored for England. So this kid's promise and his his trajectory is astronomical. Now, I've been looking for a I've, so I've been looking for a bunch of his rookie cards. I keep buying every, every now and then little ones. Every time I buy one, there seems to be a scratch on it or a little cu- scoff mark or whatever. I've gotten two that are pretty good. I'm sending them into gra- graving, grading, my apologies. But I stumbled upon, I, on Wednesday morning, I went looking for a red press-proof one, okay? So much like the Don Russ football and basketball, there's also uh, soccer, and the Donruss products for the rookies are pretty popular because they actually have the rated rookie thing on it. And there's a lot of cool parallels, et cetera, et cetera. So the red it parallel, which is the one that I was talking about happens to be a sh- super short print. And every time I've ever seen them on the market on eBay, they were a hundred dollars plus Canadian. And I'm like, I just can't gamble a hundred dollars on a card when I know that like when I'm buying from eBay, I've been getting less than perfect for sure. And if I'm gonna grade this thing, then I am going to definitely take an L on this, like without a doubt. Now, if I'm just keeping it for PC, which is what I've been doing with the ones with scuffs on them, that's fine. So I decided to post this video because I found a red press proof Phil Fodden. It was a PSA 6. It was by now, for an eighteen dollars US plus twelve dollars shipping.
1: And and something you've shown me. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. something you've shown me along the way since you're kind of educating me on soccer cards yeah. is that even soccer cards with very low uh, grades that might uh, set people back, like oh my god, oh my goodness, a six or a seven, uh, sell really briskly. That is the demand. Yeah. Uh, and- and you can't underestimate some people love a slab, no matter what's what the number is. I yeah, you ever get you ever get kids in your in your DMs that are like, hey man, I've got 10 bucks in my PayPal and I want a slab. They don't yeah. care what it is or what it's created, yeah.
0: they just want a slab in there. Yeah. Bed. Well, because like the sla- the slabbing process is expensive as hell, right? And not only that, yeah, but it's sometimes like not it's a obtainable, a little- right?
1: Yeah. And it's an intimidating process. Yeah. I just want to get it right. So, okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah. So I made this video and I was like, basically to show the discrepancy from a raw card, which was a hundred dollars versus a slabbed six, which was $20. It just didn't really make sense in my head. And so I made this video and I was basically like, if, if you collect sports cards, you need to see this. And I showed them the one I bought And I showed them what it was, what the raw was going for. And I said that uh, what I would realistically do is crack this thing open and sell it for four or five times my money, because that's what the going rate is on raw cards. Now the response from a lot of people in the community was overwhelmingly negative to say the least. And what they were claiming I was doing was scamming, which, in hindsight, I guess I could see why they said it. But at the same time, that's just not what my train of thought was when, when talking about not only this player who I thought this card deserved the respect, maybe even like the sixth to me was arbitrary. It was the card itself. The fact that this card is a you're, super You're kind social. of
1: combining, combining prospecting with strategy.
0: I'm like this card in general. I don't care. Like, I mean, it, it, it can't be folded in half, but half the time I see sixes with two print lines and a scratch on like the back of it. And now all of a sudden it's like deemed worthless by the hobby. I got a stack of those cards over there that I love and appreciate, man. Like I show them off to my friends when, when I have like zoom calls, my buddy be like, Oh, what's a cool card you got in? I'll be like, look at my Bruno Fernandez with a giant fucking scratch on it. I obviously don't need to show them the scratch but that scratch is only visible. If I turn it into the light in a certain way, it happens to be deep enough that it'll probably grade a five or a six. The rest of the card is fully intact. So my point was after this, I was just very confused as to, you know, why I was was thought of as this scammer when I think I just appreciate this card for what it is a super short print of a fucking fantastic player. And Oh, by the way, it's a checkerboard red. It looks gorgeous. And from what I can see in the slab, it's, it's not fucked up, you know, like, other people find it
1: as attractive as you do. Yeah.
0: I mean, apparently if they're paying a hundred dollars raw. And so my question is, is, is it understood that when you're buying a raw card, it's automatically going to grade a 10. And if it doesn't, then, you know, whoever's selling it is a scammer because I had full intentions of fully disclosing exactly the condition when, when, and if I cracked it. And just to further add to this, I have a, I have never actually done this. So it was more so just (laughs) a conversation, you know, like I was like, you know, yes. I, I do, does everyone expect to get a nine or 10? Cause if they do, they're going to be sadly mistaken when they start getting right. what I get in the mail and they're fucking sevens and eights. Like,
1: so you're already touching on some of my response.
0: I'm here. sorry, but I, I had to like unleash it because TikTok only gives me 45 no. seconds. I'm I'm glad that you did. And and
1: now, uh, you know, if, if you don't mind and if the world doesn't mind, or when I say world, <laughs> I mean, or, you know, 30-some subscribers, and I value all each and every one of you. If you're listening right now, thank you so much. Honestly, thank you, guys. You know what I want? I want to have card conversation in the background when I'm shaving, uh, when I rarely do, when I'm organizing my cards. And that's what we want to provide to you guys. So when when Brendan is trimming and manicuring that beautiful thing on his face, that's all we want to provide. Uh, But this is about to become... The cartel corner for the next little bit.
0: Go for it. All man. right.
1: So we're going to, we're going to dive right into this because there's so much to be covered here. And I'm kind of glad it happened in a way. Um, you got a little taste of negativity. You got a little taste of hating. Um, and, uh, and you also got a taste of how passionate this community can be.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I want to start first and foremost by making a very general statement that uh, because I know one of these people was was telling you essentially not to do something that you said you were going to do and my first response is this and I hope people take this the correct way don't ever tell me what to do with my cards I'm never going to tell you what to do with your cards it's the same thing I don't want anyone telling me what to eat or, or I think that's just natural in in everyone, and that is called freedom of choice, free will, and yeah. self responsibility. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you are responsible for your sales, and you are responsible for your purchases. You can be one of these people that complains and whines and cries. Um, I definitely whine and cry about tops a lot, but that's just fun because tops can go to hell, and tops uh, doesn't <laughs> care about their customers. But the point is, it's still down to you. Okay. Um, the only thing I can think of where it's not down to you is if you open up a fresh pack that you bought and there's damaged card in there, that's not you obviously, but any transaction you get involved in any trade, any sale, any purchase self responsibility. Okay, guys, that's really what it boils down to. I don't know where the card that I purchased has been. I don't know who's owned it. Uh, if it's a case of a cup rookie card that I've, Exchange three or four times with prominent cup collectors. We all know each other and we know where that card's been. So that's one of those rare instances where we have a trail of ownership. But for the most part, we don't have that. We're not going to get that. We don't expect that. Self-responsibility, okay? So you are not the first person to come up with this type of strategy. A. B, you haven't even done it yet. You've done nothing. C, it's not easy to do what you are uh, proposing, by the way. Not everyone knows how to crack a case I successfully. Know. Do you? No. Oh. You you had me crack a couple I cases agree. for the purpose of crossover, which is a totally different thing that I don't think anyone has a problem with. Cracking a case to cross over, it's a smart thing to do, by the way. Oftentimes, PSA is not going to be impressed if you send them in a card that's already in someone else's holder. I've yet to see them improve a grade of something sent in already holder. However, if you crack it, send it in as if it's a brand new submission, game on, you may do very well for yourself. So it's not easy to do what you proposed. You got to go out there, acquire the card, break the case without doing any further damage and make the sale. Along the way there, there are no ethics being breached in my opinion. Um, breaking the case, we've all done it, or, or most of us have, in one form or the other, um, you have no requirement to tell people that it was previously in that case, unless you want to. If yeah. you want to list it raw and say, listen, this used to be in an eight or a nine, and you think that's relevant, go for it. I I have no expectation that someone's going to tell me that. Yeah. They don't they don't owe me that. In fact, they owe me nothing but the card I'm gonna be buying. And once it's out of that case, someone's gonna buy it. And then they can make their own decision. If they feel that it's so terrible, guess what, Brendan? They're going to do a chargeback on you.
0: Yeah. And I agree. Do it. Yes, you know? I get up, I get do my, it.
1: Yeah, and I get all sorts of ridiculous yeah. chargebacks over stuff that doesn't even have anything to do with condition of a card. So yeah. So it's not like you were out there nefariously telling someone about your scheme. Um, Why would I do? I mean, Why would I even tell people if I was scheming? Right. Though, you and know? it's like, especially it funny. Make sense. and it's especially funny if someone knows you. You're that's not. And I'm like. Um, now that being said, I'm gonna get into a little bit of story time here. Go okay? for it. And I'm not gonna name names because we don't need to name names. Uh, and I, am trying to get out of the habit, the habit of, expressing the amount of hatred that I have for tops to, to individuals. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I, I, I had an associate, who would use Beckett raw card grading uh, at the shows. If he wasn't happy with the grade, he'd cut it out. He'd sell it raw. Uh, In one case, he sold the same card uh, that received a nine to someone who was hoping to get a gem. And he did not tell them about the card's history. Now, did I, was I a little cringing? Yeah. I was a little cringy over that because I witnessed it. Yeah. Was it something where I felt like, you know, you know, I've helped the old lady across the street outside of my building. Did I need to rush over to help this young kid? No, because he has two eyes. Okay. So it's now his responsibility. He could look at it as long as this associate of mine is not sitting there guaranteeing a gem man grade. That's unethical. Yeah. And he's just saying, look, uh, Oh, you want to grade this? Well, go for it. Um, the kid's got two eyes. And when I say kid, by the way, I mean, this, this was not a child. This was, this was an adult.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, now they're taking the chance. And by the way, um, I've seen cards previously, raw card graded a nine, get a gem. And so it's like, it's I mean. not like he was completely shut out of it, yeah. but there are people out there who would say what I just described was very unethical. How could they, they cartel. Why didn't you do something about it? I'm, I'm explaining to you why I didn't. And at the end of the day, look, I don't want to rail against flippers because Look, there's being an ethical idiot and there's being an unethical idiot. Ethical idiot example would be, and again, I'm being hard by using the word idiot, but an ethical idiot is someone who just buys with with some advantage that we don't have, buys cards out the back, flips them and makes money. Listen, I'm old. I, I, I was I went through the 90s comic book and action figure craze. People would hide action figures. People would get them out the back. Uh, I had a friend once who called me. He's like, Hey, meet me at the back of KB. And the next thing I know, I had all these rare toys I was trying to get. And I did not find it to be unethical. People take advantage of certain situations. People get connections. I, I don't want to hate on it. Uh, that's out of my lane. Yeah. The funny thing is in the hobby right now, I, I this, even this morning, we're, we're recording on a Saturday. Um, I saw so many videos and some, some are great. Some are cliched. But just talking about, oh, disappointment with the hobby. Um, things are too expensive. I'm worried about the hobby getting out of hand. Uh, a great video I watched clarified the fact that this hobby is now more of a market than a I saw a hobby. that.
0: It was amazing.
1: It was great, right? Um, uh, uh, if you can remember uh, the, uh, I, I apologize so much. I, I try Mount, not to Mountain, out,
0: mountain, mountain, something. Mountain sports cards? Or, I think
1: so. We'll figure it out. Right. And he had a lot of great
0: points. Unreal.
1: Saying, and to that, I just added the fact is because he kind of was taking this hard line stance like the hobby's gone, but um, there are still hobbyists. And I am first and foremost, a collector. Uh, you are collecting soccer cards. But like. if you can make a sale, if you can use a strategy and make more money to buy more cards, congratulations. It's like Peter Pacman was saying, he buys and takes advantage of situations where he can make money on new product that he doesn't believe in
0: yeah. and
1: buy 90s product that he does believe in awesome do it any which way you want as long as you're not hurting someone and i don't see him hurting anyone so um i can tell you a million stories like that um grading is subjective yeah maybe that psa6 you're talking about deserves better maybe it deserves worse uh i saw a very prominent important cup rpa numbered out of 99 and those are difficult grades to begin with because they they have more like eight corners than four yeah All sorts of things can go wrong when a card is that fancy. It's kind of more of like, you know, the the process of making it is more uh, intricate than just printing off a base flagship tops card. And uh, I saw someone receive an 8.5 on this prominent card. It was purchased by a prominent dealer again, without naming names at the Toronto expo who then took it to Beckett and received a 9.5. And that is a huge jump, right? Because that's 8.5 to nine, nine to 9.5. And this guy had a great attitude about it. I actually hope to get this gentleman on our podcast one day. He's a very prominent collector. He had a great attitude about it. His attitude was kind of like this, that's life. Yeah. He, you know, I was raging. I was like, screw that guy who's got the connections with Beckett, screw Beckett, screw all of this. And then, of yeah. course, you know, you calm down the next day, you pull a nice card out of a pack and you relax. You're like, but, I'm all
0: right. I alright i can not even the, pull a card out of a pack because there's oh, no retail, bad, which I've is
1: kind of this street. problem. <laughs> it's yeah, well, look, 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 hot and cold, good and bad you know, karma. Um, regardless, uh, I've seen it all, man. And that, to me, that, that was, you know, that was a horrible situation, but nonetheless, um, I understand, I want to be devil's advocate, devil. and When I'm discussing this, because I understand why some people may have been offended by what you were suggesting because they empathetically, they put themselves in the shoes of someone who might be receiving that card from you. Now, I have sold cards on eBay with very clear in the listing that there's damage. The person gets the card. They love it because they needed it for something, right? They didn't necessarily buy it for resale. Um, We can't make assumptions about anything. And like I said, if there is a problem, it's going to come back to you. Every move you make is for better or worse. I agree. It will come back to you one way or the other. Um, So like you said, you know, if you're going to list that, if you're going to buy PSA six and crack it. Now I told you, you were shooting for the moon
0: because yes. I yeah, like
1: yeah. to, I have no problem with eight. Uh, I also, I also told you two things. Number one, some cards to me look better in a one touch than a slab. Regardless you said that the, from
0: day one. And I was like,
1: all right. So there could be a card. And I, and I, again, I've had this, I've had yeah. friends of mine say, dude, great. And I'm like, no, I just want to keep it in a, a one touch. Yeah. And then number two, um, I will sometimes look at buying the card and not the grade, yeah. which people talk about a lot. So if I see a PSA 8 that to me looks beautiful, I will crack that and sell that raw. And I will advertise it by saying, this is a beautiful card. I will not advertise it by saying, go grade it. I will yeah. not advertise me it saying it's a nine or a 10. Yeah. I will just say, this is a beautiful card. Yeah. And, and 9.99 times out of 10, I will get feedback that says, thank you. Card is great. But, if they have a problem with it, look, first of all, I have no choice. If they have a problem with it, eBay is going to side with them. Um, that's how it goes. Yeah. Right. So my biggest problem with the hobby right now, uh, I I don't have as much fear as a buyer as I do as a seller right now.
0: Yeah, man. I I, I, that's why fears, I don't sell uh, anything because I'm like, I, I, fuck, man. I don't know, man. Like keep, keep people are popping off right now. You had someone refund you on a friends and family, bro. Like, like just take that in.
1: You know what I mean? There's a lot of danger out there. Um, and and I, I also mentioned in a previous (laughs) podcast, I'm very lucky. I've I've been on eBay a long time and I, and, and you would think that with all that time there'd be all these problems and I've had so few and I'm blessed that way. That's kind of my lane, right? Like I tried, didn't work out. Um, that's my lane. and, And I've had a lot of success with it. Um, but, uh, I have fear of these schemes that people are using. Well, you know, just, just think about selling a a raw card that has no serial numbering or is not in a slab and someone buys it from you, keeps it and sends you back a completely different one. I'm just throwing it out there. That's not happened to me,
0: Yeah,
1: but I'm just throwing that out there. There are a lot of ways people can be unethical. So getting back to the ethical idiot, the ethical idiot buys and sells retail makes profit the unethical idiot buys opens reseals have you seen yeah. that before yeah i yeah. experienced that in the states a few years back on uh um they were fo- they were football prism cello packs i believe and someone had and it looked brand new and you open it inside were basketball cards you told
0: random. me you told me you're scared of cellos for this reason i uh, yeah i find them to be easier yeah. uh, to manipulate, yeah,
1: um, and uh, y- yeah. So I mean, there's 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 a lot of dangers lurking out there. But what you had proposed is kind of a strategy. And I know that as a new collector, you're being exposed to a lot of material. Yeah, there are a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of discussion out there. And when you open up Instagram, there's a lot of strategizing out there. There are people charging. They're monetizing the concept of giving advice and and strategy. Um, you know, look every day people pop into my DMs ask me questions should I do this deal by the way what what about this product I'm happy to share information yeah. if I were to monetize it first of all maybe it wouldn't go very well but I could be I could be monetizing it like yeah. some people are doing and a lot of the people who are monetizing are brand new to the hobby they they don't really know what's what's what but they're they're sort of they're presenting it like they do there's some sports card investor that uh, was being called out on Instagram for his bait. Apparently he's gone now, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fraught with all sorts of potential calamity. Yeah. But um, what you were proposing is not something new to the hobby. I don't consider it to be fraudulent. It depends on how you handle it. Right. For sure. And and I know you, you wouldn't be concealing. Someone was like, well, you have (laughs) to let them know. It used to be a PSA six back to my original point. Don't tell me what to do with my cards that I paid my money that, you know,
0: that Brandon paid his money for. He can do whatever he wants for better or for worse. You want to hear right? something crazy. I love that card so much. And I think someone else will, it if, if and when I plan on selling it that I promise you, even if I tell them that it used to be a PSA six, it'll still sell. Sure. But that's the point what I is- think. But the point is, I know, but I'm just saying, I'm like, I'm just putting that out there that that the lower grade cards still have value. You know what I mean? Like, like, at least to me, at least to some other collector out there. So let's stop just throwing them to the fucking wolves. That's it. The point is, you don't have to give the history of the card,
1: who it's belonged to, what it's grade previously. Okay, that's that's a fantasy world. If we could have that great, I would love that. But, you know, when I buy a card and then, you know, I find out somewhere down the line that it had been previously graded, I don't get all upset about it. That's just how it goes. And again, when you're selling that card, you're selling it like any other raw card. You're saying, look, here's some nice scans. Take a look. I always point out if there's any always, major man. issue. Always, bro. Right? Always. Look, um, I'm it's not, not going to point it. out a tiny issue because I'm not in the business of just putting every card out there and telling you it's going to be a ten. Um, but I will mention big issues and I would imagine you would, as well. of course, man, it's just not
0: worth it because my brand is so much, it's bigger than one card sale for like an additional 60 bucks. You know what I mean? Like that. And that's what I think was, was so eating at me is the fact that like, if like, if you knew me, I am literally the opposite of a scammer. I go out of my way to give myself to people for free. So why, oh, why would I be banking everything on making $80 off this one fucking sale? And if I was scamming people, why would I tell everybody, you know?
1: Yeah, and I can vouch for that. I think, again, I don't want to, you know, speak on your behalf or condescend. But my my feeling is you want to be putting out content. This is what you do, Brendan. You you do content for fitness and now for cardboard. And you wanted to put out some interesting, you know, thought-provoking I conversation think, yeah. starting content. Yeah, I
0: did. Yeah. I wanted people to talk to think about why is it that this raw card is yeah. a fifth of the val or five times more expensive than a card that's been graded. What I paid yeah. for that card so, is actually more expensive or less expensive than the cost to grade it. It makes yeah. no sense to me. So you know now I mean? we're back.
1: Now we're back to the whole. We're kind of round the bend coming back to the whole concept with grading and how it's really taken over like the market because it, i get a lot of makes people sense to me now that we are way too uh we are now way too uh into this mindset that everything has to be highly graded yes. um why is there value to a psa 10 because they're not easy to get you can sit here and tell me oh there's so many psa 10 lucas blah blah For blah sure however you want but the point is you still got to acquire the card pack it up send it in for grading there's a process i agree yeah not all of them are tens it's not supposed to be easy or there wouldn't be value yeah to attend by the way with some cards a nine is legitimately i you know my John morant prism uh a lot of prism i send out kind of like this because of the uh centering issues
0: yeah, cr- it came from scratches. Yeah,
1: I'm happy with that. It has value. Um, and in that case, a nine or a 10 prism should be worth more than a raw, yeah, because someone took the time to send it out, get it slabbed, it's been certified as having that great. Um, so that's number one. Okay, PSA 10s are supposed to be somewhat difficult for to sure acquire 100%. Or else this whole system wouldn't yeah. work. Um, the second point that I'm trying to get to here as I organize my thoughts uh, is that, um, so let, let's take a look at the, the other ways that we're acquiring cards is through sealed product. And a lot of, there's been a lot of discussion about quality control, panini with the scratches and the centering, tops with all, all sorts of issues. Um, uh, specific cards get get to be known as having specific problems. Um in the hockey market 2019 20 had some qc issues and now 2021 has a lot of issues it's not a great feeling pulling out yeah. six young guns with rounded corners a lot of collectors don't care by the way they're just gonna build their set and, and be be happy with it yeah so we kind of have to cut slack to a certain point when it comes to the condition of our cards and um and like I tell a lot of people, like if you're out there and you
0: want to get that grade, buy that card, get that grade, get your. That's PSA- what I said. That's exactly buy, what I buy said. your PSA ten, Lou Bob. I'm like, that's exactly what I said. I said if if you're if you're buying something with the idea that this is going to be a ten and I'm going to make this much money off the the increase. First of all, that's the wrong mindset because you're anticipating something that you can't control. So Big you're time. bound to Big be time. disappointed. That's very, that's something that's very subjective. You're bound to be disappointed, if not by me, by someone else, by the person before that. Like, what happens if you buy a card, you grade it, it's a nine, and then what are you going to go back to the person who you bought it from and say, yo, by the way, this had a surface scratch? Like, you're a scammer. Why didn't you mention the fact that this had one surface scratch that some people can't even really pick up? You know what I mean? Like, the average person selling cards is not doing this under a light. You know, they're kind of like, oh, just- There's a lot of-
1: there's a lot of guys on eBay that you are buying from and I'm buying from and a lot of people are buying from who've been in this industry for decades. A lot of them are getting older and they, they are that card shop, you know, in the corner that has not changed their ways. They have no social media. They're just, you know, mom and pop card shop. They are doing this and they have no idea that in the meantime, there's been this uh, crazy emphasis on condition and grading yeah. and slabbing. And you have to remember that. So what you said is true. A lot of people will argue no, that's not true. Everyone's looking at their cards. No, oh. no, they're not. And and like I said, even when I see people doing their PSA reveals and they're shocked at how did this get an eight? I'm like, well, how did you not know? Yeah. It was in that going to be in that round. But
0: also what's wrong with an eight. I mean, like, I know it's not going to maximize your, your value and like, but then like, but still though, you know, like it's an eight, like if we think about this in the grand scheme of things, like, that still means it's like 80% perfect. And we have, we put this huge value on like everything needs to be perfect. Like as a society, everything needs to be perfect. One of the reasons why so many young people are struggling with like, or we're struggling and still are with Instagram is because like you get to portray this perfect place where you like, everybody's perfect and, and my life doesn't mirror that then like I suck. Right. And I feel like that's just carrying over into the hobby where like, if it's not perfect, it's virtually worthless. I would sure. much rather have a card now with no grade, with the prospective chance of being perfect, than a not perfect card.
1: Sure. And to be honest, I really do pr- uh, prefer a lot of my PC cards, particularly now in baseball. I I like to display them in One Touches when I have Chrome Autos, and I just. Prefer that, and unless they're really exceptional, if they are exceptional in a way, you kind of owe it to the hobby to get it out there. So whatever it is, except. you know what I mean.
0: Yes, exactly. But if I
1: feel like it's going to be yet another, you know, uh, uh, another nine that's out there, I much prefer to just have those on my shelf in a one touch, and yeah. they, they look, you know, just just they they look and feel just as as good.
0: Like your Eloy is gorgeous, man. The gold one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You saw me struggling with whether or not I was going to grade that. It's a gold label, super thick. Beautiful. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave yeah, it. Yeah. like, it this is. One,
0: just one touch is perfect.
1: Yeah. And it looks good. Yeah. Uh, you know, if Eloy, you know, really blows up the way we think he is, I may reconsider it possibly, yeah. but look, you know, anyway, uh, the point is uh, I think it's a good thing that you got into this uh, little situation. I think it teaches know. you a little bit about, uh, the situation. But at the end of the day, we always still have to be honest about how we're presenting something
0: 100%. and,
1: and uh, accept the consequences. I I'd say it again, self-responsibility in this hobby slash market, you're responsible for what you sell. You're responsible for what you buy. It's even though it seems like we're becoming bigger and bigger and bigger as a community, there's still a core where your good deeds will come back to you.
0: hundred percent. Your
1: bad deeds will come back to you. And that's really all boils down to now talking about good deeds very quickly, Brendan, before we get into our fitness segment, um, we have a giveaway to get to do. Of course, I don't have it within arm's reach. It is the 2017, 18 CHL blaster. And we are going to randomize that right now.
0: All right, team. We got the randomizer ready. Everyone who entered our giveaway is in that randomizer Aton, take it away, sir. So, yeah, guys, again,
1: thank you so much for entering. Uh, Just want to be effusive again here during the the holiday season. Uh, The holiday season for me is a time to uh, reflect, organize, enjoy the hobby. Uh, This is when I I do things like pack up the things I don't need for donations and do giveaways. So happy holidays to And thanks so much for entering. We really appreciate it. Uh, You got extra entries for subscribing. Thank you so much. And you got extra entries for sharing on your story. Don't forget when people do giveaways like this, you by entering are doing us a big favor. You are putting us out there, right? And that's why I get passionate about people who don't follow through on giveaways or who are sketchy with that. Like they have a thousand followers and they do a 5,000 follower giveaway. Like that's really hard to stay accountable on. You do them a huge favor by sharing their story and following them. So thank you so much, guys. As you can see, there are 51 entries here, including everyone that got their bonus entries in. Thank you so much. And what I'm going to do is I am going to randomize um, a certain number of times. I'll tell you what. Let's do uh, – what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to uh, random ORG again. Dice roll? uh, Yeah, do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, let's do it. So we're gonna do a dice roll. Uh, let's let's just do a one to ten, generate a result. So, it, oh man, I don't want. Okay, ten times. We're gonna do it ten times. I was hoping for a smaller number. We gotta do
0: what the magic ball tells us to do.
1: So guys, we're gonna randomize ten times. Here we go. So this will be number one. Just want one. I want you guys to see on the screen the number of randomizations. So. As you can tell, I'm so sorry that my camera's sucking
0: here. That's okay. We're, we're working on it.
1: So I'm going to randomize again and it will tell you that it will be. Two. Says, uh, where does it say two?
0: Yeah, we're good. I'm, I'm yelling at two. Three. Three. Four. A- Five
1: six you know that guy that that's singing meme. me
0: one two three, seven four, five six seven let me tell you something that's a banger nine and the last oh, yeah. one All right,
1: guys, here we go i'm gonna click again and i will slowly scroll up to make it exciting oh i don't know if anyone saw that don't cheat turns out there was 53 entries not 51 here we go i'ma scroll so slow who is it who is it who is it Our winner of the 2017-18 CHL
0: box is Hockey Card Nostalgia. Hockey Card Nostalgia. Congratulations. You just won. Getting
1: nostalgic with some modern cards. Uh, Everyone, thank you so much for entering. Um, Congratulations to Hockey Card Nostalgia.
0: Unbelievable. We're going to ship that right out to you. So, Hockey Card Nostalgia, you have just won this beautiful CHL Blaster with laugh potentially in it, correct?
1: Not only is there a potential Laffy in here. I feel good about this one, too, by the way. Um, you can get the exclusives, the high gloss, or his autograph, or the red parallel. Um, these these Blasters are awesome. They were really dried up for a while. I noticed that they popped up on Walmart. I ain't going to lie. I, I flipped a lot of these. I opened a lot of these. Uh, we did a break. Uh, on my on my feed and uh, it was electric who got a Laffy. so congratulations to hockey card nostalgia
0: dope all right man my hips are I mean my hips are fried from sitting dude and I'm not even just saying this because we also do fitness on this podcast but like like they're actually fried right now
1: so continuing off the stretching that we were talking about for postural issues let's talk and by the way Um, as Brendan knows the hips, the lower back, these are all involved in posture as well. So I've talked a lot about how at card shows, the classic scenario is, uh, everyone who is standing for more than about five, 10 minutes is in a severe amount of pain, particularly for their lower back. You want to talk
0: a little bit about that, Brendan? Yeah. So, I mean, what ends up happening when your hips are tight, uh, your lower back, takes the brunt of it. And the reason why is because your glutes aren't firing, your hamstrings aren't firing. So typically what happens is, let's say if I was going to bend down to pick something up, I need to engage my core, engage my glutes and hamstrings, and then I can actually safely pick it up. What ends up happening, and even is happening right now because I just spent a ton of time sitting down, is that these guys get tight, we forget how to use them, and we end up using our lower back. So That's right. The
1: second you start to round out when you're hinging over like that.
0: So not even, not even just when we're doing an exercise, like picking something up that has like ramifications through everyday life too. You'll, you'll notice that some people maybe walk with a bit of a, a, a pelvic tilt. So they they have their, uh, and what ends so up happening they, they here is a
1: booty thrust.
0: Yeah. And what ends up happening here is again, because there's no core stability, The lower back is taking an absolutely, an absolute beating, trying to keep you upright. And that is not a fun place to be in.
1: So obviously what we're doing a lot these days is we're sitting. Okay. And again, with, uh, you know, with our, with our clients, for example, we emphasize the fact that we don't want to just do this for everyday success and everyday things that we're doing. But if you want to be successful when you're working out, when you're squatting, when you're deadlifting, you want to have balanced. And uh, I think balance is the most important part because you don't want to overly stretch one position, but we can very readily recognize that this front area through the hips is going to be tight simply because we're sitting. And uh, so we want to stretch the hip flexor muscle groups. And do you want to show us quickly the best kind of most accepted stretch? I sure do for that Brendan it it looks very simple don't confuse it with too much of a runner stretch what Brendan is trying to do here with these 290 degree angles is line up his knee hip and shoulder with a good upright posture so right now he's stretching the left leg not the right the right is what's balancing him the left leg what he wants to do now Brendan lean forward like some people would do see that that's different that's not what we're doing is going to get back to that 90 degree position and upright. And what he's going to do, it's, it's far more subtle. He's going to push his hip forward. That's open. And one way to think about doing that is to squeeze the one butt cheek.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Right. So what I actually, I kind of hit my butt cheek to kind of make sure it's rock solid pushing forward and just open that up. And a lot of people right away are going to feel that stretch. There's two things you can do to make it even better. You can do something to elevate that foot that is behind Brendan. So I don't know if you have something. Oh, he's got something, something. Boom. That's perfect. Now he's probably doubled the effectiveness of that stretch. It makes it easier for him to throw his hips forward and open up those muscle groups. Now, if you also raise your left arm, Brendan, And bring it to the side and slightly forward. He's engaging even more of the chain and again increasing the amount of stretching there. And when we say do this stretch, we mean do it a lot. Um, You can really lock up and bind in the front. And what the consequence is that Brendan talked about before is the opposing muscle group from a muscle group that's tight is going to be lengthened and a lengthened muscle group. Is not going to be able to be flexed effectively, and is not going to work effectively for you. Same thing when your chest is tight; the lengthened muscles in the back are going to have a very difficult time retracting back. When someone says "straighten up," and yeah. you do it, and it hurts, that is the effect of those lengthened muscle groups.
0: That was awesome, man.
1: So there you go. So I'm glad that we're uh, especially you know, we're...
0: because my hips were actually tight, though. Like, so there you go. <laughs> They were actually tight
1: folks like myself and, and, and like you and me that have been engaged in training programs and we're not used to these strange things. It's a brand new world. We're doing more sitting than we've ever done before. Uh, and I bet you are as well because of your, your organizing and you're going through your cards. And so guys, I also find weird. my
0: knee starts hurting when my hips are tight. You know what I mean? Like they're like, my calf starts hurting randomly. I'm like, There's this so is... many
1: cascading effects and remember <laughs> this folks. When you're feeling the pain in a particular spot, it is not that spot that's bothering you. It's something along the chain that is yeah. affecting that. Unless, yeah. of course, you have some sort of acute um, or catastrophic. If something smashed your knee, that, that explains it. But if you can't explain it's why. Not, if knee, something
0: smashed your knee, it's not your arm. Right, exactly.
1: But <laughs> But if something's bugging your elbow, I guarantee you it's not. Right in there. No, it's like probably more. your
0: wrist or your, shoulder, like, you know what I mean? Like, like the fact that you don't have any, any scapular retraction, like there's, there's so many different things.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, excellent. This, this is a very real issue for, for people
0: in the collecting game and uh, yeah. Just issues. Be, be, be We've aware. talked about many issues today. You know what I mean? Just in general.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope uh, anyone listening uh, got something out of it. And uh, I hope we've also kind of cleared your name to a degree, and or at the very least your intentions, Brendan. Uh, Coach Co is new to the new to the hobby. He wants to not only benefit from it, he also wants to give back
0: to it. Sure, I do. Uh, I 100% do. I want everyone to have fun first and foremost, but I want people like new collectors to be able to make money, and you know, not having access to retail definitely hinders that. So you got to get creative.
1: You're learning along the way. And in closing, as it relates to that topic that we discussed, the hobby is really interesting because don't forget that the genesis of the hobby, I used to talk about the genesis of the grading industry, which was that it was something that was essential to the concept of buying online and buying sight unseen. That's why I have a very positive view of grading. Some people can have negative views. That's fine. Do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, we we also have to remember that uh, um, I've kind of lost my train of thought again, Brendan. I'm becoming very old and, and probably <laughs> suffering from some sort of early onset Alzheimer's. But um, woo, uh, okay. yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll, I'll get there. I'm going to get there in a second. I promise you.
0: It's been a long one.
1: But. Uh, uh, how did I start off by saying I, I started off by saying that um, this was essentially the genesis of this hobby was was made.
0: Kids. Yeah, it was for ma- kids. I don't know if you yes. thought I was there going you go. that way. There you but go. even
1: to this day, it is presented as a bit of first thing. Someone's going to react. They talked about it on Howard Stern this past week. Uh, JD was getting into some breaks. I posted a story about it. Yeah, and Howard was incredulous. He's just like, what is this stupidity? It's for kids. What are you doing? And that's the way that most people see this, but it's certainly not. It it has evolved into a market that is more akin to a stock market. There are huge elements of gambling. And by the way, I think that it is affecting some people very badly financially. And it is affecting some people very highly financially. And a lot of the people that are making a lot of money off of the hobby slash market are new to it. They're very new to it. Um, These guys that are, you know, pulling wax, wink, wink, Um, these guys that are flipping stuff, they are not hobbyists, they are not collectors, I think some of them are kids, a lot of them are adults, Um, it's, it is a a whole new world in that sense, but, a brave new world, it is a brave new world, but there is, at the end of the day, we all want that special card on our shelf, we don't want to sell it, we just want it, that means, that means we are collectors, that means we are hobbyists. And yes, that means we should be concerned about everything going on because we have an investment in it, whether it's emotional, financial,
0: whatever it may be. Yep. I just want everyone to love one another, brother. It's all I ask too, man. <laughs> stop with the hate. Let's have conversations, team. Actually, stop with the hate. Let's conversate. <laughs> there you go. And hey, by the way, we have
1: great built-in filters, right? We have... You know, uh, the IG scammers guy. Yeah. We have great modes of calling people out. But by the way, people are calling people out now for some ridiculous stuff. Dude,
0: apparently they made a Facebook group for me, man. Oh, dude. I was like, come on now. Look, at the
1: end of the day, like I said, everything works itself out uh, for better or for worse. Yep. This is something you haven't even done yet. You're brand, you're, you're brand new to the hobby. That's <laughs> you're, fucking you're, hilarious. You're, 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 you're testing this the, the soil, so to speak. And I think we've done a good enough job today trying to explain that things are not as black and white as you may think with some of these issues. And, um, and if they still don't believe
0: it, I don't give a shit because they're not going to be on team cardboard coaches anyway, you know? So it is what it is.
1: And my hashtag of the day is self-responsibility. You are responsible for your purchases. You are responsible for your sales. And uh,
0: that's it, folks. So (laughs) awesome. All right. I want you guys to have a wonderful rest of the day, whatever you choose to do with it. Thanks for listening. And uh, please stay tuned for some more giveaways and some more drama.
1: Congrats to Cardboard Nostalgia. Congrats and we'll see you soon.
0: Take care team.